Welcome to the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, John, and here with me today are Brian. Hey. And Alex. Hello. This episode, we are talking a lot of bit of game news before we jump into reviews of Fire Emblem Three Houses and No Man's Sky Beyond. But before we get to all of that, if you want to follow us on social media or see all the places you can listen to or watch the show, check out MidwestGameNerds.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network now has a Patreon. The Patreon is meant to benefit all the shows on the network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to MidwestGameNerds at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitch as well as rate and review on your favorite podcatcher also we are twitch affiliates you can spend your free amazon prime twitch uh subscription on us we would really appreciate it because uh we like doing this and we want you to like us doing it too mm-hmm. alex any bumpers for the network uh the horror movie yearbook boys hopped in the time machine back to 2011 to talk about hobo with a shotgun in honor of the late <laughs> rutger hauer it's a good one i have seen that yes so give that a listen i'm in the middle of it right now it's quite good and uh they do a great job of kind of looking at why that movie came out at the time that it did and the other movies similar to it that came out around that time so please go listen to that horrormovieyearbook.com and we are almost smack dab in the middle of a season of preacher the final season of preacher so go to gone to texas or g2tpodcast.com our uh, episode three recap is up right now and episode four should be up in the middle of this week so please go check it out uh find out what's going on in the world of preacher how many episodes are there 10 okay yeah so uh it's going by fast and uh right now i don't know that nick or i are particularly happy about it (laughs) we don't know if we're happy it's ending or if we're happy that it's good or if we're not happy that it's not good it's all, uh, we're f- we'll find out in these last few episodes here how, how the legacy of the Preacher television adaptation is going to lay. Right on. So is it good so far or not? I couldn't tell what you're Neither saying. can we. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't tell by the words you're it using. It is a mixed bag, okay. uh, was what I was trying to convey. So I gotcha. Yes. That's cool. about it. Uh, I don't think anybody's really been playing anything else, have you? Uh, Other than Destiny and <laughs> Rainbow Six, Rainbow Six, the two mainstays, No Man's Sky. I feel like I played some other things. I went back to Death of the Outsider a bit, the Dishonored standalone expansion kind of thing. Yeah, um, just because I was listening to the uh, Kotaku split screen podcast. Yeah, and Kirk Hamilton has been talking about it. It, it made me want to like, play. Man, it. I guess I should go back to that. Um, I worked my way a little bit through that um, and then got distracted by something. I don't know if it was more Destiny or... Oh, yeah, that's what I played. That was cool. Um, I started playing through um, Divinity Original Sin 2 with my cousin. Like We played cooperatively. That's that cool. was cool. We each control two characters in the party. Nice. Um, and yeah, it's it's a lot... Can you I, give me some context? Like I, I've heard people talk about Divinity, but I don't know much about how it actually plays. It's like Is Baldur's it, Gate. It's like a click. It's yeah, it, point and click like dungeon crawler RPG, but it has a lot of other systems at play, like uh, elemental systems where you can like shock water and stuff to electrify enemies and things. Right? Yeah, like that kind and, of stuff. And the biggest difference between it and Baldur's Gate is is it is when you're in in, in combat. You are actually playing a turn-based game. Okay. It is not... Um, it's an action point turn-based 
uh, combat system. Okay. Whereas like Baldur's Gate could be turn based if you pause it and then apply actions and then yeah. unpause. Well, it wasn't and go. really turn based. Yeah, it was, it was real like, time with pause. You could play it real time or you could play it turn based using pause mechanisms. But kind of the Fallout Three. Yeah. Ish. But sort of. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. That's all I needed. It's yeah. It's a very beautiful game. The writing's really sharp and funny. Which I heard is not like necessarily the case with the first one. Okay. So that's why I didn't really try to go back to that one because I like solid writing if I can get it. I've only heard good things about two. Yeah, me too. Yeah, it it is really good, but it is also very hard. There's like a definite learning curve to trying to figure out the like synergy between the different uh, character classes and stuff, and and it is possible to like shoot yourself in the foot so bad in the beginning when you set up your party to where you can't really progress that's what i'm afraid and that's of kind of a, of a bummer i had to actually like go online and read like some tips about that um because it, it's definitely a situation where you can't just roll with anything and get by yeah like, that's like some rpgs every one of my playthroughs of balder gate balder's gate i would die within the first like hour because my party wasn't set up right or I wasn't set up right and I would just get assassinated in the woods. It's more complicated than like, I mean, if you play something like Baldur's Gate, most people have a general idea what the classes are in D&D and stuff and that yeah. helps you make a party. But with this game, you can do custom classes right off the bat and uh, mix and match your spells. Like you get to pick like everything you start with pretty much. But if you don't put enough thought into it, you might screw yourself out later. Basically. And then uh, the other thing that they don't really like stress enough, I feel, is every time you get a character or like a new party member, you can decide what role they're going to play. And so you don't have to like leave them as their default role, which is probably the worst thing you could do. <laughs> okay. You want to like have them fill a role that uh, that you need that, that you actually need. Are um, there certain roles that they're better suited to than others? Not Still? really. That's okay. the thing that they don't make entirely clear. Like they try to hint at that, but it's not really true. Like yeah. they can do anything. So you if this want dude is do. default a fighter, but then you make him like a yeah. healer or something like You're that, you're still good to go. Okay, it's just like they they maintain their same personalities and stuff, which hmm. have an effect on the story. And like, yeah, different. I think different characters in the party can have beefs with each other. Like back in the Baldur's Gate days. So when you're playing co-op, is it you controlling one of several people and Jim controlling one of several people? Or like, are you hopping into different people as you need to? Or um, We can... You can set things up any way you want, really. Like, at one point, like, I was controlling three characters because he was AFK for a minute. <laughs> okay. And then... Like, but really, I mean, when you're moving around, everything is just in real time. Yeah. Until you're in a combat and you, situation. And you're both controlling a single player and on the field. You're playing. Well, around. we had it set up to where we were playing two characters. Well, we would select one character each and then have our other character that we were controlling just follow that character. Okay. Because you can set up, like, it's really easy. You just, like, drag and drag the uh, portraits, like, together to link them okay. to link their movement or drag them apart if you want them to do separate things because it doesn't make you like stay in the same area even like we explored different parts of the map 
to try to save time since we had already played through that section of the game before. Okay. Um, yeah, it's fun. You can play up to four players if you want and just play one party member each. Hmm. Why am I popping so much today? Do I have this in the wrong spot? Yeah, maybe move it down a little more, actually. Down? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Speak down into it through the windscreen. But, no, that sounds cool. Yeah, it's fun. I was hoping to get back to it, but uh, he seems to just not want to play games this week. So, <laughs> You also played a little bit of single-player Apex last night. Oh, yeah, I played one round. That's like as much as I could do before <laughs> I was falling asleep. Is everybody single player or is it? Okay. So they're not letting people kind of pick and choose. Well, I, I read an article online that there were people teaming, like, up. teaming up unofficially, which is shitty. That happened with PUBG when it first yeah. came out too, right? Um, I don't know. It's basically, it's a lot different, I guess, because... Usually when you're playing Apex, because it's a th- uh, they have the distinct classes with their abilities and stuff, you try to like Compliment get a group together that sort of complements each other. Yeah. And then in this case, like you can't pick from... I don't think all the characters are available, actually, but uh, a lot of them were. I heard this is like a trial thing. They're doing it yeah, for a limited time. Yeah, it's a time. limited time thing. But, I mean, you can pick from whatever characters are available there, and they all have their abilities like usual. So I don't know which ones may have an advantage or disadvantage, if at all. Because, I mean, like, some of them have different hitboxes. Some of them have different movement speeds, I think. Maybe they disabled Um, people that they felt had an unfair advantage or are too far an unfair disadvantage. Um, But, yeah, it was kind of cool. It was nice just, like, queuing in and not having to worry about letting a team down. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Uh, I actually got a couple kills, which was shocking. Kind of removes the whole revive mechanic, right? Yeah, there's no revive mechanic. You're just done. Huh. Well, I wonder if it'll be something they fully implement or... It was nice to play again, though, because, like, I I forgot how nice and, like put together that game is compared to all the other battle royale games minus Fortnite, i guess but yeah Fortnite's just Fortnite has too much shit going on i I like a little more of a pure battle royale game yeah you don't want any concerts or no i don't need marshmallow showing up creative areas that change frequently and i don't know i don't know enough about Fortnite to make fun of it i know it sucks yeah that's all i know though I know kids win $3 million playing it. Also there's true. no way I would and ever win anything. They get swatted by their yeah, that's streaming audience, which is cool. Some dude's mom opened up the door and had a gun pointed at her. So, awesome. The world's great. That one dude who uh, actually got somebody killed was charged yeah. with like manslaughter. Be, I you would or... think that would have... like dissuaded people from doing that no the internet's full of terrible human beings yeah well they also think they can get away with stuff that other people couldn't yes you've done something on the internet and you think nobody's tracking you you're full of shit (laughs) so anyways Alex, I did it through my Tor browser (laughs) with my VPN and anyway no I haven't played anything other than other than Fire Emblem pretty much so played some solitaire on my iPad you know that's good while watching Game of Thrones nice yeah How's Game of Thrones? No, we can't get that. <laughs> I'm I'm no, sorry. That's for a different podcast. <laughs> it's, a whole, it's a whole different ball. We can game. do a, a Midwest Game Nerds podcast, Game of Thrones, after 
John stuff. The Midwest Game of Thrones nerds. Yeah. We'll just look at butthurt memes from the final season. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, let's do some news. Hit it. So there was a lot of news that's happened in the past two or three weeks. From like what? Also, sorry, everybody. Our hosting situation was fucking horrible for a little while there, and I hope it's all solved. If I go to MidwestGameNerds.com right now, let's see which version I get. It's got the latest episode, so that means cool. that there's not a hosting problem for this current second. But for if now. you have so any you go issues, to upload later. Yeah, if anybody has any issues, let me know. I'm trying to f- make sure I figured everything out. But uh, yeah, so E3, uh, the E3, the company behind E3 put up a spreadsheet of over 2,000 journalist uh, contract uh, personal addresses and and phone numbers and everything. Um, it was just hosted on their website and it was not a password protected file. Um, we were not affected by this. Yeah. You know, we, we, you know, we, we chose not to go to E3. Our our reputation as games journalists has not been compromised. Yes. Yes. Um, but anyway, really shitty situation. Uh, a YouTuber tried to alert them about it and they tried to do things about it, but then that youtuber continued to post a video about it which then exacerbated the issue because people were able to find the file on cached versions of the site um or you know they the e3 company took down the link that actually provided access to this excel file so it was a whole crap show and hopefully people are getting things back to normal i hope those who have changed their numbers have changed their numbers it sucks that they had to do that i yeah. don't know what you do about your address being out there i think on but split screen they mentioned that a lot of the people it wasn't like necessarily their personal address and phone number a lot of them were like offices and things like that like yeah you know for the parent companies they work for and stuff but, but there would be some still, freelancers on yeah there a few freelancers that were affected by it and yeah I mean, Kirk Hamilton even talked about how, like, he has received packages from companies, like, from this sort of thing before, and yeah. and he's like, it's kind of weird. Like, it's it's honestly weird when this sort of thing happens. Well, and the reason they have all of this there is that there's some type of agreement in, like, I'm going to attend this event, and therefore I give you my personal information to then share with people that are, you know certain like i think when we went to pax there's a thing that's like if you if your your email address was included in your badge and if people scanned your badge or like some stuff like that so people buy this information and have the ability to then solicit you with certain things right you know this is like main this means that all the gamergate assholes out there can kind of be like oh i'm gonna harass people that i don't like right and it's a terrible situation indeed so yeah very um irresponsible and it should have just never happened it's just ridiculous yeah i don't it it wasn't it wasn't even a leak it wasn't it wasn't a leak necessary necessarily it wasn't like um it was just complete laziness nobody got hacked it was it was laziness and it was just complete um uh what not like a, disre- a disregard and neglect. Negligence like is the word I was looking for. Neglect yeah. of proper protocol. Yeah. So 
Hopefully that never happens again, and hopefully literally all of the other gaming expos have learned or from Or maybe this. it does happen to us, and people send us free games and packages and stuff. Yeah, it we'll does. give you our address right now. <laughs> if you <Yeah. laughs> Send us some shit to talk about. Fuck. Typing it in now. Yep. Where's the spreadsheet? Where can we add our shit to it? P.O. Box. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, on to some brighter news. Uh, in the wake of uh, <laughs> that's brighter, brighter news, news, my ass. <laughs> I'm just joking. In the wake of a couple of violent mass shootings in the states here, Trump decided to blame video games as the reasoning because I believe in one of the shooters' manifestos, he mentioned that uh, it's this the situation is not like Call of Duty or something along those <laughs> lines. And so, because of that singular reference, it has been uh, blown up to say that video games cause mass violence. Uh, and that's just totally fucking wrong as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean... You mean as far as, like, the most, multitude yeah. of scientific studies are concerned well, that have the, debunked that theory? There haven't been any studies about gun violence because the NRA doesn't allow them. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But uh, the there were a lot of people out there posting the, like, here's what the video game industry grosses in these countries. Here's how many guns are available in these countries. Here's how many shootings are happening in these countries. And yeah. it's literally like video games is one of the biggest markets for the U.S. And then on top of that, there's a shitload of guns and a lot of people die from gun deaths. But when you go elsewhere where there's no guns, guess what? Still a lot of video games being sold. Nobody's dying from gun deaths because you can't get a fucking gun. So we're not going to get too political here, I, it, but I'm just going to say that video games don't cause gun violence. What about what about knife deaths in these other countries? I, I don't know deaths? if that data is out there or not. How many people, you know? Yeah. Also, one thing to consider is a lot of times the numbers for gun deaths count suicides, too, which is yeah. like not quite accurate. So anyways, we'll we'll leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, video games are good for you. Probably preaching is, to the yeah. choir at this point, but. You know. I feel like this has been mentioned enough in the last few weeks. Okay, on to some better news. Brian, you posted this one, I believe, from uh, Polygon.com. Uh, which one is it? New Anthem patch finally adds endgame cataclysm activity. Oh, yeah. It's also new Masterworks and Melee Weapons, live in Anthem's latest patch. Um, in reference to this, Paul Tassi put it out there that right now, the Anthem is better than the Division 2. <laughs> Okay. So something to note, that Anthem is playing better now than the Division 2 is. Interesting. I've heard that the Cataclysm, when it was on like test servers, I think this yeah, this article even says, players who experience, this is Polygon.com, Ryan Gilliam's article says, players who experienced the Cataclysm on test servers were not particularly positive. It seems the activity tasked players with flying around the open world, completing objectives that every Anthem player is already familiar with, and then defeating a final boss. Um... In the wake of this, uh, there was also some news that the creative director of the game has left EA. Um, I heard mixed uh, feelings about the new update, honestly. Some people really liked it, and other people just didn't care. I searched uh, <laughs> I searched Anthem creative director on Google, and I get a bunch of job <laughs> listings, which is kind of funny. But, uh, but this is this is like in conjunction with a bunch of higher ups that have left various companies. Like I think the dude from three four three left Halo Infinite too. Yes. Um, and a few other big guys like left other big projects. 
So there's like a, a huge shakeup right now in the the industry with some of these higher ups, these creative directors. Yeah, I'm trying to find this actual. This happened like this past week. It happened like Friday. <laughs> like he announced it on Twitter Friday. Trying to lead anthem producer Ben Irving. He's not a creative director. Ben Irving leaves Bioware. This happened three days ago. He was there for eight years working on anthem. at least Anthem, maybe some other stuff. The only Anthem. <laughs> only Anthem, yeah. But, uh, you know. He was the only person. Is that a petition person. to save Game of Thrones? I don't know. Yeah, pretty <laughs> we, much. We need your help. For it's, 99 cents a week, we can save Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I don't know. Have you got you guys haven't checked in? I, I haven't. All, right? I just opened Origin last night for the first time in months. To update everything. to uh, well, because Brian and and Josh have been playing Battlefield Four. Oh yeah, so I forgot I was, we played that too. That's I was good. gonna possibly install that, but then I was like, maybe I should just update Anthem just in case. So I have it updated. I should probably take a minute and try and jump in the world again and see what's what, but. Yeah, this Games Radar article, lead Anthem producer Ben Irving leaves Bioware, also starts with, earlier this year, executive producer Mark Dara, lead producer Michael Gamble, and lead director Jonathan Warner confirmed that they left Anthem's development team. Today, lead producer Ben Irving, who helped fill in for Gamble, announced that he's leaving Bioware entirely to accept a position at another gaming company. So, um... Yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, he seemed... He put out very nice things. He said... He says here in his tweets, I believe Anthem has a bright future. There's a great team working on it, and I look forward to following its progress and playing it from the sidelines. So, you know, people are taking this to sound the warning bells, but, like, those warning bells for Anthem have been ringing since, like, February. Since so, launch. Yeah. So I I don't, you know, whatever. <laughs> since the beta. <laughs> you know how I felt about this patch um, when the prospect of playing Battlefield 4 came up? <laughs> Uh, I uninstalled Anthem to make space for <laughs> Battlefield 4. There you go. Because so. I just don't, at this point, like, I just don't see myself going back to it. I didn't even play that much of it, honestly. I think I played maybe, like, 8 to 10 hours of it. Yeah. But it just, I don't know. It. I just don't really like what they did with it in general. I just feel like... I can play Destiny 2 and the, the Division 2 and get more out of it than I'll ever get out of Anthem. So, Curious to know what Paul Tassi really means by that statement. I mean, I can look it up. Is he just, like, happier with what Anthem might be than what the Division is? I don't know, but we'll come back to that when you find it. Um, so there were a few loot box things that came out this particular, uh, these last couple weeks here. One of them, uh, was Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony are to require loot box odds disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, so Activision, Blizzard, Bethesda, Electronic Arts, Ubisoft, Wizards of the Coast, and other publishers will also comply. So, oh, this is a fun post from Paul Tassie put up. Uh, Apex Legends forums furious as devs call players asshats and freeloaders. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> man! Sorry, keep going. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the uh, the ESA made this announcement during a workshop on loot boxes that was hosted by the Federal Trade Commission. Um, he he said, "I'm pleased to announce this morning that Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony have indicated to the ESA a commitment to new platform policies with respect to use of paid loot boxes and games that are developed for their platforms. 
Specifically, this would apply to new games and game updates that add loot box features, and it would require the disclosure of the relative rarity or probabilities of obtaining randomized virtual items in games that are available on their platforms. Uh, It sounds like this is basically a show of good faith, quote-unquote, by the ESA and game uh, hardware holders, platform holders and such developers that they want to say that, hey, we are self-regulating. You're holding this uh, this workshop for us, but we want to let you know that this is something that we're working on and we don't necessarily need your help. But at the same time, out of the same uh, workshop, I believe, there was another great Polygon story that came out. FTC panel reveals troubling relationship between streamers and loot box creators. Content creator says a publisher once offered to mis- misrepresent the odds of winning to viewers. So... Um, in particular here there was a there was a question from the FTC's Brittany Frazetto. She said, Based on your expertise, do video game publishers pay these content creators to open loot boxes? Do they pay for the loot boxes? And if so, do they at times give them better odds than the public at large? And how much of that is disclosed? Uh, responding was um uh, Omid Dariani, the CEO of the Online Performers Group, which is a group that represents people including Angry Joe and Trevor May and a bunch of other people who are content creators. He said, companies do pay for that sort of thing. It's pretty uncommon uncommon for it to specifically be, hey, just open a bunch of loot boxes, but we've definitely seen that. And then he said, I've definitely been in a room where a publisher said, quote, we could do better odds on the packs that this person opens for promotional purposes, end quote. Diani continued, that's only been one time. So uh, that sucks. That's really shitty. I don't know what you guys think about that, but the idea that like these companies are like, we're going to pay somebody to play our game. Not only that, we're going to give them a bunch of free loot boxes and we're going to give them better odds so that the people that are watching this streamer open up a bunch of loot boxes are enticed to to buy loot boxes because they're seeing this person getting rares and ultra rares and, you know... I mean, on one hand, like, yeah, it's stupid and it sucks that that is the case. But if you thought it worked any other way, like, you're a fucking moron. I like, disagree. It might. I mean, it could just appear to be luck. Luck is a variable here. It's not, though. It's, it's like the odds of getting the good shit are horrible. Like, we all know that. We've well, experienced but that. But think about it this way. Like, what if Wizards of the Coast was like, yo... You're this dude who's making a YouTube video of you opening a box of the latest uh, Magic the Gathering expansion. We're going to give you a box of boosters that have, like, shitloads of rare cards in them so that people see the awesome stuff that you're pulling out of it. Yeah, but that's... Okay, if that's perceived as luck, like, I think you're naive. Maybe so, but like because you why? And I, why wouldn't they? Like, why wouldn't it work that way? Why wouldn't they give the person who has a following who pushes their product? Why wouldn't they give him better odds? But you know, like, like to to entice people. What other means would they have to entice people to get behind loot boxes? You well, know what I mean. The, so, and the whole the whole point here, one of the, one of Ms. Frazetto's questions was, uh, if so, or how much of this is disclosed? Um. 
basically the Polygon article goes on to say, later in the same exchange, Dariani expressed dismay over the inadequacy of platforms like Twitch to enforce stricter disclosure standards. A single live stream may last for hours, and he said that it's cumbersome for hosts to continually remind viewers who might be joining midstream that the content they're watching is sponsored. He expressed surprise that platforms like Twitch didn't already require proactive measures, and not unlike AgeGates, to ensure that sponsorships are made clear before someone yeah, elects it should to be tune part of their fucking stream. overlay. It should be on their overlay that what they're con- that what whatever they're broadcasting at that moment is sponsored content. And then he said, at the same time, he said that streamers are very proud of their sponsorships and are disinclined to hide them. So, uh, quote: "What's really interesting about it to me," Dariani said, "they're not ashamed to admit that they're being paid for these things. In fact, it's actually a benefit to them in a lot of cases to say to be able to say to their audience, quote, look, EA is recognizing that my content has value. They're paying me. They're supporting my channel because of the work that we've done, that the community that we've grown together with our audience." End quote. These companies are these big companies are involved now, and that for many people can be a source of validation, a sign of growth, and a badge of honor. So, yeah, I don't know. This stuff sucks. Streaming's horrible. Uh, like us on Twitch, and please subscribe. Yes. And watch our stream. None of our content is sponsored yet. Yeah. But when it is, we'll tell you. We certainly will. It's yeah. sponsored by our patrons. Yes, Thanks to Jason King. <laughs> yes, thank you guys. Um, and all of our other patrons, who I don't pay enough for me to list their names. So... <laughs> <laughs> we love you anyways though we're disclosing it all right now yeah yeah uh pc gamer reported that death stranding is no longer listed as a playstation 4 exclusive suck it sony sony uh Eat sony, my ass. sony has removed it from its, its exclusive page where it once was uh there was also a note that a while back um there was an interview that um there was an interview or something that got posted uh on like the Kojima Productions Twitter account or something where he said uh, they were planning to bring the game to PC anyway. So the weirdest thing about this is that like, I mean, we all know that Neo ended up on PC at some point. There's a bunch of Uh things that have been PlayStation exclusive that it ended up on PC. But the thing is, is that we were all under the impression that Sony was literally like paying for this game. Yeah. So... Kojima's somebody who could command a deal that would allow them to uh, to take, uh, you know, if anybody, if any game developer or like you know, rock star creative director like Kojima, like he's the one that would be able to yeah, get Sony I mean, to be like, hey, let me release this in, on PC. It's too. in his contract somewhere that states like for the majority of the of the time leading up to the game's release, you have to promote it strictly for PlayStation. And then at some point you can say it's also going to be on PC. Like, like the, sprinkle that PC dust on the side. You well, know? and the, like the, the weird thing to me is that typically Sony, <laughs> not PCP, PC, dust. PC dust. Yeah. PCP dust. Yes. No, um, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, so the weird thing is that you would think that Sony would keep continuing to promote it as such but the fact that it's like off the page almost makes me think like this shit could be coming to xbox like i don't know i have no idea like it's weird to me that it's not still on there because you know sony's always like oh this is a console exclusive and that's not even there from what i understand so who knows yeah we'll see more in the coming months i feel like it was probably a situation where kojima's like hey sony microsoft is 
he, they want to pay me a lot of money to put this game out on their system. And then Sony was probably like, well, what would make you come to us for the same amount of money or less? And he was like, if you'd let me put it on other platforms. Yeah. Who knows? So. All right. Uh, it's actually going to be on the Switch. I'm going to skip that one. It was cool. That one's cool, too. But don't worry about it. Twitch is putting out their own broadcasting software. It's not super complicated because they want to get more people streaming for them, including people that now are Now that doing, everybody left to go to Mixer. Yeah. Including people doing more than just gaming as well. They want to, like, make their cooking stuff and, like, more. They want to do more different types of video content. Yeah, I want to watch a bunch of teenagers burn food. Yes. Uh, Nintendo is hinting at SNES games on the Switch with an FCC filing showing um, this is exciting the Super Nintendo controller that uh, might be wireless a lot like the ones that are the NES controllers that came out for the Switch. So that's exciting. Uh, we should probably hear more about that soon, seeing as how the one-year anniversary of Nintendo Switch Online is impending, and people will need to decide whether or not they want to re-up their uh, their subscriptions. And then I had another cute little story that Kotaku posted. There's this great video that's on YouTube from Stop Skeletons from Fighting. They go over the how Netflix was used as a tool in the seventh generation console war. It's a great little piece. But basically, at one point, uh, Netflix sent out a DVD that you could use on your PlayStation 2 in Brazil to watch Netflix through your PS2. Nice. It's insane. Unlike the 56K modem that's in that thing. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. No, the mini one had an Ethernet port on it, at least, so it should have been somewhat better. Yeah. But, yeah. You can play. They didn't do that here? Not for the PS2. They did it for the PS3 and the Wii. Yeah. But the PlayStation 2 apparently received one in Brazil. So it's a cool video. It's like 15 minutes long. People should go check it out on YouTube. All right. I want you guys to talk for a while because I just talk yeah, too fine. much. Yeah, so, talk about No Man's Sky Beyond. Yep. Plus, I'm getting sleepy not talking. Yeah, um, I want Brian to wake up. I did have the patch notes pulled up here for No Man's Sky. They're really in depth. So, No Man's Sky Beyond is the latest update for No Man's Sky and Hello Games. Uh, the biggest <laughs> thing that it has uh, opened up for everyone is the ability to play No Man's Sky in VR, which is something I asked for as soon as this game came out. I was like, if they just gave me this in VR, I would play so this did game I. all the time. Yeah, so did Brian, but then and he now got, I don't have a VR. I got impatient. He got rid of his <laughs> VR system, and now he can't even fucking play. And I was it. like, "Well, No Man's Sky is never going to have VR. I guess I'll sell my VR." And then oh. the day after you sold it, they were like, "Hey, No Man's Bry." I'm definitely, uh, definitely uh, tempted to get a Rift S, maybe at some point. Yeah, me definitely too. Definitely tempted very easy to maybe to set up at some point. It's, yes. They're so cheap. It's it's so cheap. Yeah, yeah. four hundred bucks. Is cheap. It's not that cheap. It's not as cheap as what I paid for the Rift. Yeah, so well, well, if you wait long enough, it will be. But then yeah, there'll exactly. be a new one. You want more? I want the Vive Index, but that's just me. I've heard people have been having a lot of issues. That's the Valve yes. Index. Yeah, it's Valve Index. Index. Valve Index product. made by Vive. No, whatever. I don't, I don't know. So. Whatever. Anyways, so <laughs> it is compatible with the HTC uh, lighthouses. That the Vive. Uses. Yeah. Anyways, moving along, <laughs> we're gonna go back to No Man's Sky real quick. Uh. Brian, is there anything you want to add before I just start spitting out information? Are you going to seriously go through? I'm not going through all the because pa- I'm going to grab a pillow if you do. Well, <laughs> all right, real quick, Brian, when was the last time you played No Man's Sky before this? When the up the was it next, next? update okay. came so out? That was last, last year's year. big update. And I played it for at least a few days last time. Yeah, I put many hours into it, which okay. is 
I probably put more hours into it when the next update came out than I did when the game actually came out. Yeah. Um, but it ultimately next lost. is when it had very spotty multiplayer. Yeah, and it worked stuff like that. It worked, but it was a little weird. John, when did you play it last before this? Uh, I I played next for like two seconds. Yeah, and then I realized how in depth it was, and I would just have to start over completely, yeah. and decided it wasn't worth it right now. Okay. And just put it away. So then prior to that, it had, I mean, it's, I hadn't played it since year one, but I put about 40 hours into it at the very beginning of the game launch. Yeah. Um, Brian, what strikes you the most in terms of differences from next? What, what has, well, they added the social space called the anomaly that you can summon to basically anywhere you're at while you're in orbit. Okay. Um, yeah, like this giant uh, sphere just comes out of, like, warps out of nowhere. It's, an it's supposed to be from a different dimension, I guess. Um, and you can enter it like you would a space station, but it is way cooler looking inside. The space stations look pretty cool, but this looks like some crazy, like... It looks like Tron. Yeah, it kind of looks like a, you're living inside of Tron. All right. Which yeah, I'll you would, you would appreciate. Yeah, you it. need you sh- you you need you. Need <laughs> I mean, to do that it. part will probably looks awesome in VR. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, there's a lot of like NPCs in there. Okay. I tr- I talked to a bunch of them. Um, they have a new mission type that you can get from there. That like it basically cues you with two other people in like a matchmaking thing, and it's like an in- I think it kind of an instanced mission. Okay. Which is different. Interesting. Uh, I didn't try one though. Um but how many people are in the social space at one time, do you know? On PC you can up, have up to 32. Yeah, up okay. to 32. On console it's 16. And I think you can actually somehow like it still loads you into little server clusters of like four people or whatever. But I I think you can somehow group up to larger, like up to 32 group, Hmm. like player groups for exploration purposes. I swear I read that, but maybe I was wrong. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I haven't tamed any animals yet, but apparently you can do that. I noticed the that there's like new things you can build like. you can make like a generator kind of thing like so you can um, provide power to stuff yeah they've revamped the technology tree and they allow you to build generators to power your bases and you can also build batteries and solar panels so that you can keep your batteries charged during the day and then at night the batteries like kick on to keep everything running Um, all of the technology trees are completely updated which is kind of cool um in terms of the animals, which Brian brought up, you can tame them and farm them and milk them and get oh. shit from the animals in order to make other shit. So, like, mm. the crafting is, like, expanded. Like Yeah, you, you can actually make, like, food items and stuff, and you can make bait for Yeah, you can make bait to and... get other animals and things. You can ride the animals around the planet. Like, you can tame them with, like, creature pellets and, like, get them to be your friend, and then you can ride them around. Because, like, early on, if you start a new game, you don't have the vehicles. You yeah. just have your ship. And you waste a bunch of fuel, like, launching and moving around the planet. So if you just hop on an animal, you can ride it around. Yeah, you just ride it till it dies, and then you can tame a new one. Nice. One of the things they introduced... Very confused, I guess. in, uh, in, In Next was the terrain manipulator. And they've kind of expanded and streamlined the process of using that now, too, apparently. Like, it's a lot easier to use than it was before. Um 
and with the technology that you can create like the generators and things in next you could you could make those but um if you made them they were kind of permanent where you put them now you can take them with you uh, so you kind of break them down put them in your inventory and then you can like replace them later and then load them up with fuel so like your the refinement unit that you use to make yeah. different you elements could break those down in next yeah, but I think you had to then recreate them. So you had to have, like, the materials to make them again or something like that. No, there was, like, an inventory of stuff you built. I don't know. It, you it, could, like, pull it back maybe out. Maybe I, I misread that then in the patch note somewhere. Because I, I left possible. mine at one of my bases, and I don't remember which one. So yeah. I have to go get that stuff. <laughs> it definitely it feels like it has more direction now, which is nice if you're just starting out and have no clue what you're doing. Which that's, I mean... The original game was that it just kind of threw you in it threw you to the wolves and now like it starts you like I don't know if it's if this is what it does on purpose but when I started my fresh game on PC because I bought it on PC on sale and then when I started my VR game on PlayStation it threw me both times into a planet that had a very toxic atmosphere so it kind of causes you to like learn how to like scavenge right off the bat because mm -hmm. you have to find the, the sodium in order to uh, fix your hazmat suit um, it's I tech texturally like there are some issues with pop in and textures and things like that. Some visual stuff with a game that's procedurally procedurally generated. I don't see that being a huge problem. I kind of expect it and it's fine. I don't care. The frame rates wildly varied. Like, yeah, it's Even probably PC, you're saying. Yeah. I mean, the frame rate dips below 50 sometimes. I haven't for me, had which a, is a constant 60 ever. Yeah. Um, for, for me, that's kind of a big deal. Like compared to what I'm used to, at least it's it's fully playable though for sure. That's good. It's just um, I've had it crash. Like the first time I went into the anomaly, it crashed right away to the desktop with no error message. I'm not sure if there's something up with my computer or what though, because I've had Rainbow Six crash like that a couple times. I feel like there too. was an issue with the Xbox version. Both the console, well, actually, all three versions had a hot fix within 24 hours. Like okay. they they had a bunch of issues right off the bat after it launched, and because uh, I think this was like 2.0 or whatever, and they by like right now they're up to two 2.06. Okay. So they've been hot patching it like every day since yeah. they dropped the since they launched uh, Beyond. It's just to jump into the VR. I played VR for about an hour and a half this morning just to kind of test it out. I, I was able to launch off the planet and go into space. Just if I, I wanted to try the flight was the main thing I wanted to do. Were you playing with a controller? Or I moves? was. No, I was using the moves. Okay. Um, it it does start out like it starts you with teleportation movement, but you can turn on smooth movement as Thank well as goodness. smooth turning. It also has like step turning if you want. Smooth turning is a little bit fast, so you might want to make adjustments to that. It's pretty fucking cool, guys. <laughs> like, it's really cool. Because this game, is it's exactly what you wanted out of this game. Like, when you walk up to a plant that you can, like, pull as a resource, like, you literally, like, extend your arm, click on it, and then pull it, and it pulls out of the uh, out of the ground. Uh, you reach your arm, your right arm behind you, and hold the move button, and you can pull your pull blaster out. Uh, when you want to use your visor, you hold your left hand up to your visor and hit the move button. It flicks over to the, <laughs> the search visor. When you get in the in the fucking plane, you have to grab each of the, you know, the throttle and the uh, joystick to move the the ship, and like you launch by kicking the throttle all the way forward. So you actually have to physically push your arm forward, and it launches you. the The movement is a little bit wonky because it's like really sensitive. Yeah. Um. But dude, when I started kicking it into like when I went into light speed, it was dude, it was like 
<laughs> it was like that one time I did mushrooms. It was like, <laughs> like, like no joke. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was like the one time that Tom was like, "Hey John, do you know what warp speed? You know about warp speed?" And I didn't even answer him. And he was like, "You do now." And then all of a sudden, my vision just blurred and went went into light speed. That's what it was like. It was amazing. It was one like when I did that because I had to blast off to go to the next planet to get like a like a hermetic seal or something like that for some some other bullshit that I needed to build something. Yeah, the opening quest line. Yeah, I, it was, it was so fucking cool, man. It was like I, in VR, it is a whole different game. The learning curve is a little bit intense. It's really cool to like you literally like when you want to use your menus, you hold up the one arm and you point your other arm at it, and it like points your like your hand turns into the hand with a finger, and you can then click to choose which thing you want. Oh, and like it brings up your inventory in a hollow menu, and you can like move shit around and like create. It's 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 this is what this game That's was meant to be. to be this this is what it was meant to be this is no man's sky the way it was oh. intended from the get-go this game is fucking rad all right and if you have money to shell out on a playstation vr i highly recommend it playstation vr is going to be your cheapest in on vr and probably like the most stable i would assume but i'm not 100 percent sure on that don't take my word for that it's so fucking cool man like i uh, even Gladys just said in the chat, updating No Man's Sky right now, you sold me, even though I don't have VR. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, dude. Like, it, it, it is. And the thing. Okay, so if you're just starting out in this game, don't jump into co op right away. When I first started playing on PC, Brian and Josh <laughs> jumped in my game and just started using the fucking terrain manipulator and making yeah. me fall into pits and shit. And I'm like, you guys, I'm just trying to fucking figure out how this game works. And you're not making it easy. Yes. Take the take a few hours, like probably three to six hours, to like really sink your teeth in and like learn the mechanics again and like really just. It's it's still it is kind of a grind fest. You're doing a lot of resource management and like pulling, you know, you're getting you're going through and collecting a bunch of materials and shit. And it is so fucking cool. And yes, Gladys, you can play with me in VR mm. and VR is seamless between a regular game and, and VR. Like you don't always have to play in VR. If you get motion sick and want to take a break, you can go and play the same save game in normal. That's cool. Without having to start over again. Um but yeah, in VR, it's it's fucking nuts, man. It is so cool, and right. like, because again, and this is the same thing I felt when I played Skyrim VR. The scale is something that you just when you're looking at a fucking TV, it doesn't matter how big or how small your TV is, you don't get that sense of scale. Being able, I literally in my game, I was being drenched in hazardous poison rain, and I had to go into a cave, and then I was looking for sodium using my my search mechanism. And I saw that it was off in the distance and I traveled through this cave system that I had found and I get to the end of it and there's a hole in the ceiling of the cave that I need to like launch myself out of to get out fucking hitting that booster pack and flying out of the cave like was one of the coolest things and just it's so simple I can't even it's it's rad it is so fucking cool all right you everyone needs to play this game in VR it's so rad. Uh, yeah, that's all. How I'm, rad is it? I'm done jerking off Hello Games. So, <laughs> <clears throat> Brian, do you have any more thoughts on it? Anything else to? Bummed I don't have my Rift anymore. <laughs> I think you should instead of buying your Rift, just because Gladish has it on PlayStation as well, you should just buy it on PlayStation and get a PSVR for a hundred bucks on some on Craigslist. Yeah, you probably get a used PSVR for pretty cheap. But yeah, it is it is so cool. Um. I'm trying to remember if there's other shit going on uh, on PC. There's like a bunch of expanded chat interface con- interface controls. So when you're paired up with people, you guys have like proper communication. 
Um, there's a new there's new base building missions that teach you how to build cool bases, and they actually have a hub on the anomaly to show you everyone else's cool bases that you can go and explore See, or I something like that. Some signage to point me in the right direction to find that shit would have been nice. The whole game's about exploration. You just gotta go fucking find it, bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the the tech trees have been redone. The the construction has been simplified on pc you can actually like flick the camera out and like be able you can you basically rotate around your player it's it's what fallout 4 needed with its base building that Mm. it didn't have um yeah i just it sounds like they did a lot they did they did a. I haven't even scratched the surface of what they've done to this game like they've done so much to it and they they know they're the shit now. Like Hello Games knows they have to know. Brian, you were mentioning that there's a paid currency, maybe some microtransactions. It looks like there's another currency, yeah. Hmm. And I don't know how you get it. I don't know if you can buy it or what. Yeah, there are three currencies. There's the units. There's nanites, and then there's one new one that I can't remember what it's called. But I haven't received any of that third one yet. I only have nanites and units. Um. Hmm. It's. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, um, there are now dynamic NPCs that walk around and interact with elements in the environment, such as chairs, panels, and other NPCs. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a richer mix of NPCs and space stations. They also respond to gestures from explorers, so you can like do emotes at the NPCs, and they'll emote back. Can to you, you wave at them in VR, and they'll they'll see you? That I don't know. I haven't tried. I haven't run into any NPCs yet in VR, other than just like the creatures that I've seen. I really want to ride one of those like dinosaurs in VR though. That would just be so sweet. I'd rather, yeah. If I get back into the VR game, I'm gonna stick with PC because yeah. I own a bunch of VR games already. For sure. No, I wouldn't. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if you wanted to play with Flash and I, like, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I could pick up the game again on there for cheap, probably. Is Quicksilver the? Uh, yeah, I think that that's the one I was talking about. It's apparently not a paid currency. It's not okay. Uh, it's still going to be part of the game, but yeah, m- apparently they came out and said there would be no microtransactions ever. So I don't really know how to get that currency and I was confused by its existence. Yeah. The steam page that I'm looking at seems people being they, the topic is Quicksilver and beyond. Someone said, didn't see the issue of Quicksilver getting addressed as far as I know. I'm hoping community events will be put on permanent rotation and or other add other means of getting it so might be something they're looking into but it sounds great um i'm gonna install it maybe you have an mps4 as well right i do yeah i almost bought it on pc last night while you guys were playing but then i decided not to because i was like i'm not gonna play that much of this and i probably still won't but it'll be nice to check it out uh, it's also just it, it's been heavily optimized throughout, improving performance in every area of the universe. In particular, players on lower end PCs will enjoy significant frame rate improvements. And other, and the game now supports integrated Intel graphics cards. Um, nice. Planetary and freighter bases now have multiple levels of detail to increase rendering speed on large complex bases, and shaders are now loaded in as required, rather than upfront reducing the game's initial load time. Cool. They also switched to the Vulkan API instead of OpenGL on PC. Which makes it definitely faster for AMD cards, but probably faster overall for all cards. Cool. Any other thoughts? I it's it's just super fucking cool. I think everybody should give it a shot. Now this is the perfect time to jump into this game. It feels like a completely new game. Yeah, I 
<laughs> yeah. It's it's a little hard to get back into. Yeah, that was the sure. thing when I did when I played next is that I basically was like, all right, I'm just gonna start a new save at this point. So. Especially when you don't remember the controls, but they don't like. There's no tutorials. There's there's yeah it like a lot of games like you point you look at something and it'll like tell you press whatever to do this and it does that for the most part in that but it doesn't tell you like what key you need to take off in the ship and shit like that. Mm. And uh, so I went to check the key bindings page and all the key bindings are listed as blank in there for some reason. <laughs> um, well, so then I had that. to pull up a website to for the PC controls hmm. because I really couldn't remember how to do half the shit in the game. And like trying to remember, you get a good feel for like it's a good system as far as like starting you with the, these base like few resources and then needing those to build certain thing or to fuel certain things and then needing a refiner to make refined versions of those and then combining them to make more complex objects. Yeah. It's a good system until you haven't played in a year. And then they are like, so much. I don't even remember how to make this one simple thing just to get my damn ship off the ground. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's just, I guess it does teach you how to play the game pretty good when you start from what I remember. It's just hard to get back into if you don't want to replay that part. Yeah. It's I, like they need I hate some type restarting of games. Refresher tutorial. I'm like the guy that plays Skyrim and never restarts ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of treat this in, in the same way. But yeah, makes it difficult. Yeah, I, I love this game. I want to play more. I can't. I've been thinking about it. Like nonstop. That's good. Well, bummer. I can't build a pit under your feet if you're on PS4. I, that's why I have it on two systems, man. I'll play it on both. I don't even care. There you go. I don't even care. All right. Fire Emblem Three Houses came out for the Switch a couple of weeks ago. John, you played how many hours? This is where I take a nap. Yep. Maybe good like night, Brian. eight to ten. Okay. I'm at like 12 at this point so not a whole lot further in um i don't feel like i've done much of anything (laughs) at all so that's the thing about this game um previous fire emblem games going even as far back as to like the game boy advance it was like here are battles with cutscenes in between period and that was what the game was um but ever since they got to the 3ds they started adding more stuff about like hey relationships with characters and getting to know people and support levels between people and stuff like that which is what a lot of the complexity that i think you're bouncing off of a bit is john but then on top of that they've also gone further to like because this game is about being at a school and people learning their their skills and their trades they've made it so that you can literally make any character into any kind of character you can take the dude who starts off with the bow and be like, hey, you know what? I'd rather you learn lances and put you on a Pegasus. Like, that's what you can do if you want to, which is cool. And it's kind of unlike any other Fire Emblem game in that way. Um, but at the same time, that comes with a lot of systems, which I think is something that John previously said in like our Discord that he was having a hard time with. Uh, 
what I will say for those who don't know, Fire Emblem is a strategy game, a strategy RPG, I think it's called, technically. It's a lot like your, it's similar to your Advanced Wars or your Shining Forces or Final your XCOMs, your Final Fantasy Tactics, those types of games. It takes place in fictional medieval type worlds um, and has very anime-ish characters in it. And But on top of those types of like tile-based fights... You get this kind of, hey, we're running around our school to make, we're going to make food together to increase our bonds and increase your motivations so that when I, your professor, teach you in class, you can learn more about a skill that I'm trying to teach you about and things of that nature. You have to keep your students motivated so that you can teach them things more. And you motivate them by... Having tea with them. Yeah, eating with them and tea, going fishing with them. Yeah, and, and you know, fighting next to them and making them the MVP of your battles and things like that. So It's a very Japanese game. None of those things appeal to me. I don't know how they would keep me interested. I don't think this this game is definitely not for everyone. Well, it's, it's not, but here's the thing. The other thing that I don't think they explained very well, previously in Fire Emblem, it's like, hey, if you don't level up your people the right way, you're fucked in the end game. You're going to lose. You cannot beat the game because you're not going to have people be where they need to be. With this game, it doesn't matter. You're going to be able to finish the game no matter what, which is great. You can literally do none of those activities that I just listed, and you will still finish the game. You can read none of the people's dialogue, and you will still finish the game. But the strength of this game is not, like, I love the fighting in a Fire Emblem game, but getting to know the characters is another thing. Like, there's very interesting dynamics. You pick between one of three different houses at the monastery to, to like, be the, the teacher for, the professor for, and there's, like, hey, uh, we're the Black Eagles, we're the people that... Um, I don't remember how the breakdown is. All I know is that, like, the, the, the golden deer... Do you remember which one you selected? I chose the golden deer. Golden deer are the ones that are like, hey, we're the super super funny anime fun time group, is basically what that one is. And then right. there's the blue lions that are like the, hey, we're the allies of people. We're not really racist, but we kind of are. And then there's the red... The, the, the black eagles are like the, um, you know, I think they're kind of like the rule of law. Like, hey, you know... We're serious about this. Nobody yeah, has like fun the, in this house. They're like the rule of law, like political level. The the blue lion dudes are basically like the rich kids. And yes. then like the golden deer, the poor kids who just want to goof off and have a good time. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And so the interesting thing about the game to me is kind of going through and like learning these dynamics between the characters. Like you can go through and just play all the fights, but if you don't really care about the fights and you don't really care about the characters, then you're not really going to enjoy the game. And that's fine. I think there's, you know, I think some people are going to like this kind of game, some people aren't. But I did want to let you know, John, that if you wanted to ignore fishing, <laughs> you don't ever have to fish in this game. Yeah, but I to. feel like that's it's part of the game. Like, I don't know, when, when I'm given the option of, like, you can make your character stronger if you do these activities, I'm going to take that because... I don't want to have to struggle through the fights, mm -hmm. you know. So if I can make my my group of of, uh, of combatants like uh, you know a better, well oiled machine by spending time like eating meals with them and teaching them how to fish or whatever, going to the garden and like planting seeds and stuff, like I'm fine with that. And, but it's like it's just a lot. There's a lot of space in between fights. 
Yeah, and for, it's yeah. It, and it's not like I wanted to. I just I thought it was going to be like Shining Force, where we jump from fight to fight, and then there's all this in between that like I don't necessarily want to do, but because the game tells me that if I do it, I'll be better at the game, then I should just do it, you know. So I just yeah. kind of suck it up and do it. But that's also like to the game's detriment because it essentially just made me put the game down. Yeah. Like I just I don't have time to focus on this kind of game right now. Like shame on me for picking up picking it up when I did, but I wanted <laughs> I wanted to be able to talk about it and it but it, it's definitely a game that in, involves like a very large time commitment if you want to do what needs to be done in the game. Yeah. I feel like and and it's don't get me wrong the battles are cool. I love like, you know, strategic uh turn-based battle games like i i love playing that kind of game all day i have final fantasy tactics uh the the original uh war of the lions or whatever on my phone yeah <laughs> like i play that on my phone whenever i feel like it uh those games are rad i dig that shit mario plus rabbits awesome mm-hmm. like this this is still cool um uh, it's just there there's a lot more that you have to pay attention to to get what they want you to get out of the game i think and i think like from what i hear on the normal difficulty that's where you can kind of slough off the responsibilities of being a professor at the school or whatever yeah. like the the reason that it's all okay no matter what you choose to do is that on the normal difficulty things aren't super difficult if you want to be the like if 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 the thing that you loved about Fire Emblem was like min maxing everything and getting the strongest of the strong and like making sure that like when your characters level up that you know they're getting all the good stat bonuses and whatnot because it's always like a dice roll as to what stats actually get bonused when you level up. Right. Um. That's where like the harder difficulty comes in. They're even patching in another even harder difficulty for the people that are like diehard Fire Emblem fans want to like really focus in on like making their characters the best they could possibly be. Yeah. So you know, I I think um for those who have never played a Fire Emblem before, I think it might be a bit of a tough sell i i don't know that the buy-in is quite low enough for people to be like okay i get it but um i think as somebody who's played at least the last few fire emblems i think i like this a lot more than i do some of the ds games that were out there um and we'll see as i like continue to develop my characters but it feels like right now like I always have a hard time. I have choice paralysis, and this game is rife with what that could be. Because you can, like, choose to either go around the monastery and do activities around, or you can choose to go and fight extra battles that don't you don't necessarily have to fight if right. you don't want to. But either way, they take up time on your calendar, and, like, the calendar has an effect on what you do in the game, too. Exactly. So it's kind of... It, if I didn't know that I would be okay in the end, no matter what I choose to do, then I would have a hard time continuing to play this game. Well, yeah, and then you're faced with like instances where there, there's like a segment in the monastery where you go and you can talk to someone. It's like the the people looking for advice cards, yeah. and you have to give people advice. And if they don't like your advice, the advice that you give it changes their perception of you and well, affects your relationship it only, with them. It never, you just don't get the stat bonus. You don't get, like, the support bonus yeah, with them. They like, don't, like, yeah. 
So you're that like, you're not going to make people hate you because you give bad advice. When you but. have that like choice paralysis, like, and you you're presented with that sort of situation, and then you don't get the right answer, you're kind of just like, well, fuck, like that sucks. You like, can save scum that stuff, which is what I do. Yeah. I, <laughs> so I just save, and then I go walk up, and if I get the question right, I save, and then I'll go and do the next one. But then I can restart. I don't have time for that. So you shit. can you can play it that way, <laughs> but yeah, obviously, then you're gonna invite your sixty I'm only hour game save to like scum eighty hours. Battles. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing that's great is that this game takes the uh, into the breach, uh, like time rewindiness mm-hmm. to the next level because you can basically rewind to the beginning of a turn three times per battle or to the beginning of the battle three times per battle if you wanted to yeah so you know playing with permadeath isn't as much of a you don't have to play with permadeath you can choose not it's to not like playing xcoms permadeath jesus it's yeah like, that well that's what fire emblem traditionally was yeah was but that brian's issue was he made all of his characters look like his friends and they were all dying <laughs> <laughs> i um Nobody died other than, I think, one or two people. I think you said I died. Yeah. <laughs> that was by choice. Yeah. <laughs> it was retribution. Um, but no, the thing is with this is that, like, and I think eventually throughout the game, you'll get to the point where you earn more divine pulses that will allow you to continue to rewind. It's yeah. really cool because it'll let you rewind individual actions on turns all the way back to the beginning of the fight every time you do it. So if the choice paralysis of doing a battle like you don't have to save scum a battle because it gives you the mechanic to like go back and fix your mistakes anyway yeah. which is great i think it was a great addition to fire emblem and i'm glad that it's there i haven't used it that much but there's been a couple cases where i was like yeah i didn't really like the way i did that and then i roll it back and i do it better yeah so that's really cool but you know i think it's a great game for current fire emblem fans if there's people who are looking to break into fire emblem i think you might be better pressed to try out like the um if you played the mobile game and you're kind of like this seems cool then maybe maybe give this fire emblem a try i don't i don't think you would lose out on much giving i it wasn't a try. trying to say i wasn't interested in this game at all i was saying like if i were a student they wouldn't lure me into liking them as a teacher by taking me fishing or tea well they would need to learn tea. about you brian so well that wouldn't be the right way to do that's it. not the right way to do it but you can also <laughs> invite people to dinner and if you pick the right food okay yeah i like free food yeah so like each each student has a certain type of food that they will like and if you I invite like small that students yeah exactly plentiful but small yeah. foods you can get the you can have the the small uh the the steak medallions instead of the and uh peas. porterhouse steak you know? medallions yeah. and peas and mashed potatoes yes yeah so you could if they if they served me a like uh six inch tall sandwich i would probably leave out of disgust you would make angry anime face you can all <laughs> you can also increase motivation i would have one of those teardrop icons and i would be screaming <laughs> you can increase motivation by giving <laughs> students gifts so you could you know your gift would probably be like a, a larger mouth well that or um like a really nice bottle of whiskey or something yeah of that sort. i mean it would have to be like a whiskey tasting or a beer tasting maybe sir brian maybe larger mouth you could do a coffee tasting i'm not really big on tea though yeah there's not really any coffee from coffee. what i see but well then maybe i don't want to play this game coffee's an american thing true well actually kinda. japanese people love coffee they do but they like they take both cold seriously. and hot coffee and they will get it out of vending machines yes in like cans. all of my good coffee making stuff comes from japan oh look at you 
anyway, Fire Emblem's great. John, I think I think if you um if you had the time and you also kind of just were like I'm only going to do the things I like doing that are outside of the battles, I think you'd probably have a good time. Yeah, I mean, I'll play the fishing game all day. I think if you instead of doing the like hey, I'm going to go out in the monastery and do all these activities, if you chose to spend your Saturday doing extra battles, you would probably be so overpowered by the end of the game that you'd get bored with it by the end of it. <laughs> is the thing. <laughs> like that's that's kind of where I'm at right now. Like I'm not not right now, but like where I'm headed to like I like doing those extra battles because I like the battle of the game and and that's fun. The other thing I will say, the democratization of like what each character is, the sweet thing is that you can teach pretty much anybody to be a mage. Like I taught my main character who's normally good with swords. He's not only like great with swords now and has like good leadership skill, but I also gave him like the base level of healing skill. So if I need more healers on the board, you can make you literally everybody able to heal and that's awesome. I think it's great. So I like the changes that they've made to the game even though they got rid of like the the weapon triangle like we talked about last time the lances are better than uh axes, axes which axes are, be- are better than swords. No. Or- swords are better than axes, axes are better than lances, lances are better than swords. That's no longer a thing in this game, but you know. Hmm. Um I think it works well even without it. So Yeah. No, it's cool. I, I just I wish I had more time to focus on it. Yeah, I, I get that. It, it's a lot, and I I feel like I haven't made much well, progress and, and, for the twelve hours that I've put into and it. And the but. game itself throws a lot of it at you all at once, which makes it hard. It doesn't really like stretch it out. It's like this is the game, and I'm pouring all of it in your lap, and you kind of just have to like decide to take the time to then suss through what they've since poured in your lap, or just play the game or like, or you have to like read a strategy guide that's online which yeah, is I never suppose, like yeah, yeah like, like i don't ever want to have yep. to do that unless i unless i'm stuck on something and i can't figure it out you know like uh when i was trying to fight the blood starred beast and bloodstained i had no idea what i was doing and i went online and i found the best strategy for it and figured it out and did it so the, well and that's the thing in, fi- in previous Fire Emblem games, I would want to read about it because if you made the wrong choices early on, it could really hurt you later on. Yeah. But this one, it sounds like that's it's, not it's as more much. more forgiving in that sense. And so if you don't get maximum motivation out of the kids that you're teaching that week, then that's okay. You're going right. to be all right. You just and, and you'll learn about how to do it better, how to manage your time. And like, you know, it's it's. It's really interesting. It's weird. I've never really had like a calendar system in a game that's like, here's the days where you know you're going to be able to increase motivation. These this is the start of the like lesson week where you will be choosing how to teach people and like you need to make sure that your motivation is plussed out on at least this these many like they Right. I picked it up which is saying something because I don't typically like nowadays I don't typically want to put in the time to figure that stuff out. Yeah. Which I think says a lot about this game and how good it does those things and how how good it makes you feel to have these skills continue to yeah, build. Yeah, I'm not, by any means, I'm not saying no, it's know. bad. It is just a lot. It is definitely a lot. So, I totally agree. It sounds like the amount of a lot that put me off from trying Persona. Was- it's This This is Fire Emblem meets Persona, without a doubt. I liked, like, I thought the style of that game looked cool, and I was like, that looks like the kind of Japanese game I could maybe get into, but then I just heard about all the stuff you have to do and i'm like 
But yeah, they, no. They they certainly that's the interesting thing. I don't know if you guys remember when I talked about Tokyo yeah, the Tokyo Mraz sessions. Oh, Jason Mraz. Yeah, yeah, the Jason Mraz sessions. That was the joint um pro, uh Shin Megami Tensei, which is the persona people and Fire Emblem game that they made. Oh. And so I think this game incorporating some some of the persona ish systems of like, hey, you're at a school, uh I think they maybe learned a little bit from how some of that worked and it also like I think it works really well. I think it's a really great marriage of those two kind of ideas. So Yeah. Um hmm. yeah, I like it a lot. Cool. Well, if you want to follow us on social media or see other places you can listen to or watch the show, check out midwestgamers.com slash links. The Midwest Podcast Network now has a Patreon. The Patreon is meant to benefit all the shows on the network. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month and help keep our shows alive and well. Check it out at mpn.bz slash Patreon. That is mpn.bz slash Patreon. Thanks again to Jason K and Gojo for their contributions. As always, we do appreciate your feedback, which you can send to midwestgamers at gmail.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitch as well as rate and review us on your favorite podcatcher. We are Twitch affiliates. If you have your free Amazon Prime single subscription that you get once a month, please do spend it on us. We would really appreciate it. It would be awesome. We would love you for it. And we will talk about you on the show, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Potentially. Potentially. We'll have to figure that out. But, um, yeah, coming up here for the rest of august uh i just saw that the grandia hd collection is coming out that's awesome yeah. uh the grandia games are great jrpgs sounds like a time-consuming thing though a yeah. collection of mm. rpgs yeah, yeah we're not going to review that <laughs> uh i've heard good things about rad which is a roguelike coming from double fine oh uh, yeah um similar to uh your binding of isaacs and nuclear thrones and and such like that uh, so it does look pretty rad. That could potentially happen. I've also heard uh, Control is the game by the Alan Wake and yeah. uh, and Quantum Break I, Studio. I wasn't particularly thrilled with Quantum Break, but it was good enough to where I would try Control. So that could be something that we that we talk about. Supposedly, a bit. Control will melt your video card. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's the rumor is that it's pretty intensive graphically speaking. Yeah, so we're looking at September first for our next uh, release. I've also heard great things about Astral Chain. That is also Labor Day weekend, so. Oh yeah, I so we'll know. we'll figure out exactly when we're coming out. Stay tuned for that. But also that um, the Dark Pictures Man of Medan is the next game from the Until Dawn team. Uh, that's coming out on Windows. And this PlayStation this is part of an anthology series. Yes. Yeah. That's my understanding. Is they they're doing several different types of games that are coming out of that. That Blair shorter. Game is they're like shorter, like five hour long games that are part of an anthology series. They're do. I think they said they're doing like ten of them, or something like that. I forgot that Gears Five actually comes out before Borderlands, because Borderlands was the next game I planned on buying. Um, Gears Five is included in in uh, the Game Pass. The Game Pass, yeah. and we will get to play it on the sixth instead of the tenth. Sweet, because it's Game Pass. Yeah, so we'll have to check that out for we sure. We might be able to talk about that if I can get you guys to play that. Yeah, Borderlands Three is coming up. We got Zelda: Link's Awakening next month. Um, oh, a bunch what of Baldur's is that? Gate dropping on the Switch. Baldur- what? Icewind Dale, of course, as well. The Surge Two. Yeah, so there's a lot of game. We are now at the point of the year when there's going to be way too many video games coming out. So So if there's something you want us to talk about, hit us up, midwestgamers at gmail.com or on social media. Yes. I saw. uh, Yeah. 
yeah, hopefully we'll do some more streaming now. I feel like my work schedule is starting to open up a little bit, so I'm hoping to get online a little more, stream a little bit. I probably won't be streaming much more until after I get married is my yeah. guess. Cause I got a lot going on. I but. may consider setting up streaming again. I haven't done that in a long time. Cool. Everybody keeps telling me that it would be really funny to listen to me swear a lot. Mm-hmm. Now that you have better internet or more reliable internet uh, yeah connection. i might try to get better internet as well so that would be nice yeah i just yeah. i don't like the the performance hit that my computer takes when i'm streaming like it's noticeable hmm. it's not it doesn't make it slow but i'm just really picky about that i yeah. want everything to run as good as it can sounds like you need a two pc setup yeah well maybe Anyways, thanks again for listening, everybody. And if you're watching on Twitch, thank you so much for being a part of this. We will check you guys out next time. Peace. <laughs>